Nation. It's time for your show. I'm your host, Kevin Marshall. I'm coming to you from the flagship station of FCS Nation, Fox Sports, 1450 and 92.7 KGRZ and 1340 KYLT in Missoula, Montana. Joining me like it does each week during the football season is Mr. Chris Callum. Chris is coming to you from his broadcast center in Cheney, Washington. Got a big show for you all today, I think. Up first, we'll have Mr. Bill Schwanke. We're going to get into the Bill Schwanke Award, Chris and I, in just a couple of minutes here. And also, Mr. Kevin Kelly, the head coach for the Presbyterian College Blue Hose. He's known as the coach who never punts. First up, let's just recap some of the action from last week. Up first, Indiana State 26, Eastern Illinois 21. Mr. Callum, this was a very good ball game. Eastern Illinois looked much improved, but they just couldn't make the plays when they had to. Kind of helped Indiana State just a little bit with a pick six on a throwaway. Overall, I thought Indiana State looked pretty good, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And Eastern Illinois looks a whole lot better than they have been recently. Yeah, I agree. I mean, both teams, you know, need to start heading in the right direction. Uh, this is the first win for the Sycamores in two years. They're not the only team in the subdivision to be in that situation, but it's good for them to to finally get one on that side of the column. Uh, as you mentioned, there were a couple of interceptions. Michael Thomas picked off two of them. He returned 175 yards, and that was in the second half, and that eventually became the game winner. So nice way to start the season for the Sycamores. And an upset that I don't think anybody had. North Carolina Central 23, Alcorn State 14. Very impressed with North Carolina Central stable of running backs. It seemed like it didn't matter who they ran out there to run the football. They were effective. They controlled the clock, played good defense. And look, that's always going to be a recipe for a victory. Yeah, and then special teams played a role, too. The Eagles scored the final 10 on the strength of a Brandon Covington 77-yard punt return in the fourth quarter, and that ended up being the difference in the game. San Jose State, 45, Southern Utah, 14. Not a lot of positives to take away from this from Southern Utah. I thought they'd be a little bit better offensively. Scored one of their touchdowns on a trick play, the old Philly special. But the star of the game for them was their punter. He won the Big Sky Player of the Week. Yeah, and San Jose State's a pretty good ball club. I mean, they they went to a bowl last year. They're definitely a program on the rise. The T-Birds moved the ball okay at times, especially in the second half, but they gave up 543 yards on defense. That was a big difference maker. Things don't get easier for the Thunderbirds as they turn around for a Thursday night game at Arizona State. Tough way to start, that's for sure. You heard me mention it right at the top of the show. There's something that uh, Chris and I want to announce. It's called the Bill Schwanke Award. Chris, there's an award for everything, right? Holder, long snapper, All-Americans. But there was no award for FCS play-by-play broadcasters. Well, there's going to be one now, and we're going to be part of giving it away. Mr. Tim Brando from Fox Sports is on the committee. Chris Callum's on the committee. A select group of broadcasters and an FCS play-by-play guy from all 13 conferences also. These people deserve recognition. And there wasn't anything like it, so we decided to put it on. What are your thoughts, Chris, on the Bill Schwanke Award? Oh, I think it's an excellent idea. I mean, it, these guys, you know, they they travel all fall. They prep for games. They do a lot of work behind the scenes. Oftentimes, they're heavily involved in the sports information end of, of things at their particular schools. Uh, so I think for all of their efforts and hard work, it's a very just uh, award to, to present each year. We're going to give it out the week before the national championship game each season from now on. So keep your ears and eyes peeled for the Bill Schwanke Award, which will go to the FCS play-by-play voice of the year. 
Now, Chris, we're going to gripe a little bit right now. Week zero was a big thing for us and our subdivision, wasn't it? I mean, who can forget the all eyes being in the country on NDSU and Montana here in Missoula at Washington Grizzly Stadium? And then it started to slip away a little bit. We had the credit union kickoff down there in Alabama, which did fairly well, I think. Heck, it was the first college football played after the pandemic, right? Last fall, Austin P. right? I mean, it was a very good and exciting deal for us as a subdivision. But now the FBS is honing in, and there's really nothing he called the FCS kickoff anymore. Why can't we have the spotlight for one week as a subdivision? Why were the FBS folks just not going to allow that to happen? It started to sneak in one game of theirs, and now the whole thing's pretty much gone away. Kind of rubs me the wrong way. I enjoy it when people watch FCS football who don't normally see it, and once they do watch it, most times people are very impressed with the level of play, the skill of the players, and once you watch it, you don't refer to it as Division Two anymore like some people do. I wonder how much the networks are involved with this. I mean, ESPN, I think, has carried it in the past, uh, you know, that we all have our gripes about the way that they present their playoff coverage uh, come that time of the season. And you'd think, you know, being if it's a product of theirs, they'd want to push it. But then they're also going to want to get more eyes on the screen. And there's certainly a case to be made that you're going to do that with FBS versus FCS. But it's just I agree with you. It's one of those things that I don't think it really makes that big of a difference one way or the other and be nice just to keep it FCS and give some exposure to a subdivision that they carry. I mean, they ESPN signed a, a deal with the Big Sky this year, you know, and that's not the only conference that they carry. So why don't they take, uh, you know, some more interest and expand things a little bit for some of their lesser known products? A lot of good games on the slate for this week, Chris. We're having not to cover a lot of games that we normally would like to. It's just difficult when teams aren't playing conference games, right? So, you know, you have a lot of teams playing FBS games this week. What do you expect to see? This is the previous segment. That'll come up in segment three. But what kind of piques your interest? Uh, For me, it's going to be the Northern Iowa-Iowa State game. They usually play really tough and tight ball games against one another. What are you looking forward to for this week? I, it's really this first month of the season. I mean, every year you're kind of searching a little bit, and there's people that think you sh- shouldn't even have pulls until you get to the the you know fifth week or so of the season. This year is exceptional because of everything that's happened. And so I, I don't think things are going to feel normal until you get into the conference player, the heart of the conference schedules for, for everybody across the nation. I, other than that, I'm just as curious as I normally would be. Lots of good matchups, I think, there might be more upsets than normal. I, I see a lot of very winnable games for FCS. Uh, East Tennessee State at Vanderbilt would be a good example of that. Yeah, it seems like you have a lot of matchups where you have playoff caliber teams from the FCS playing an FBS program that has only had you know three or four or five wins over the last two or three years. So it should be interesting to watch. And it's also interesting to me about who gets those games. You know, everything is scheduled so far in advance now. But the pandemic showed us that it doesn't necessarily have to be that way, right? I mean, games are put together within a week's time. And I know all of our thoughts are with the people down there in Louisiana who got smacked by a hurricane again. It seems like our friends down there just can't catch a break. But there is one bit of news that the southeastern Louisiana-North Alabama game is being moved to Florence, Alabama, the home of North Alabama, because of what's happened down there in Louisiana. So that's one uh, 
you know, game that's been moved because of it. But there's just a lot of these teams get games with really low level FBS teams when you see that some have to go play Alabama or Clemson. I guess it's just a matter of do you want to get paid more to play those games or do you really want to have a legitimate opportunity to win? Well, and some of it's opportunity as far as location goes. I mean, we've known for a long time that it's tougher to to find FBS games or winnable ones when you're out west because there's less teams. Uh, But I think, you know, the overall picture, you know, I agree that it's nice to see how flexible programs can be and kind of turn on a a dime as we witnessed uh, throughout the pandemic. And that's going to have to be a reality going forward because of conference realignment. You know, you're, you're seeing, you know, a lot of disruption and I think that's going to continue for a number of years until everything gets sorted out. Mr. Bill Schwanke will join us next, right after these messages from the NCAA and a word from our sponsors. You're listening to FCS nation on the Palmetto radio network. In the Division I football championship subdivision, the name of the game is outsmart, outhustle, outscore. But in the FCS, it's not always about the outcome. It's also about how you play the game. It's played with passion and pride and sportsmanship. It's played with honor and integrity. And it's played in towns across America where football is a way of life. The Division I football championship subdivision. It's more than a game. For more than 30 years, the NCAA Division I Football Championship Subdivision has helped athletes achieve their dreams. The dream of playing football and hearing the home crowd cheer time after time. The dream of competing for a national championship. The dream of an excellent education. The dream of becoming a leader. And the dream of playing the right way with sportsmanship. NCAA Division I Football. It's not a dream. Come see for yourself. Welcome back to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. We're now joined by Mr. Bill Schwanke. Chris and I unveiled in the last segment that the FCS play-by-play radio broadcaster of the year will be awarded the Bill Schwanke Award. And here's a namesake of the award, Mr. Bill Schwanke. Thanks for being here, Bill. Thanks, Kevin, for having me on. And thank you so much for this incredible honor. Well, it's very deserving. Background on you. You were the voice of the Grizz for, what, 30 years, correct? Somewhere around there. Uh, and. And, yeah, about 23 full-time. Okay, and you saw that program grow tremendously, didn't you, Bill, from on the stadium in Dorm Blazer to a beautiful new facility at Washington Grizzly Stadium. It's kind of got to be surreal for you to realize what that program went from to what it is now. Well, I grew up watching the Grizzlies. I was born and raised in Missoula, and I saw some really lean years, uh, including some of the early years uh, of my broadcasting. I started in 1971. Uh, They had a couple of good years before that, but it was a little touch and go. And really the key to the turnaround was probably the construction of the stadium. And that was uh, joined by the uh, incoming of Don Reed as the head coach. Don brought his uh, kind of run and shoot short passing game offense to Missoula and the Big Sky Conference. And it took off like wildfire from there. FCS Nation, we're joined by Mr. Bill Schwanke. Bill, let's talk about your particular career there. You were the voice of the Grizz, but that's not where Grizzly Bill came from, is it? No, Grizzly Bill was the name I used on the air when I was being a disc jockey. 
uh, because we thought it would tie in well and, and get the Grizzly thing out there more quickly. Kevin, people still call me Grizz Bill, Grizzly Bill, or just Grizz. Well, people call me a lot of things, too, that aren't my name, but they're not nearly as flattering as what you get called. But uh, <laughs> now the committee for this has some really good people on it. Tim Brando from Fox Sports. We have someone from all 13 FCS conferences, a play-by-play guy on the committee for this. What does it mean to you to be recognized by your peers like this? Well, I think it's 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 almost um, it, I hate to use the the word surreal, but it's used a lot and it applies here. I you know what I was like when you called me and talked to me about this. I was flabbergasted. Uh, it's such an honor. My family is just uh, incredulous at the whole thing. But what it means to me more than that, uh, Kevin, is the fact that people at our level, broadcasters at our level are going to be able to get some kind of national recognition. That's that's the main thing to me. And it's something that I, that I really think was needed. There have been guys who have been at FCS schools 30 years. You were the voice of the Grizz full-time for 23 years, you said. And, you know, those people, for a lot of folks who don't live in the town, now they can get the games on the Internet, couldn't do that before. But for people who couldn't go to the games, it's important. And people don't realize what a big part of fans' lives play-by-play broadcasters are. Well, yeah, it's true, and you know, I, I'm even though I've been out of out of the broadcasting business for quite a while now, I still run into people that will recognize my voice, and they don't look old enough to recognize my voice. But it's uh, you know, people paid attention to the radio back in those days, and they still do if they're not in a position to watch the games on TV. What do you think about the Grizzlies' chances this year? Going to have a real tough game at Washington to start off, but it seems like Coach Houck has them headed in the right direction. A lot of optimism surrounding Montana Grizzly football for the 2021 season. Very definitely, Kevin. A lot of optimism, a lot of uh, uh, anxiety waiting for the whole thing to get started. Uh, Some anxiety based on the fact that they're playing Washington the first weekend. There's always concern about what might happen to some of the players in a game like that. But I've seen the Grizzlies play uh, play up before, and they've handled it pretty well. The score the last time they played Washington was very lopsided. I certainly don't expect it to be like that this year. And I think they have a good shot at making a run if they can stay relatively injury-free, which, of course, is key for any team. For people outside the state of Montana who are listening to this show, Try to explain to them what the Grizz Cat game is like. <laughs> it's like nothing else. Um, it's uh, just unbelievable. It's, uh, it's, it, it, I hate to use the word hate, but there is a lot of uh, hate involved in the, in the rivalry. Uh, neither team wants to ever lose to the other, and the worse you could beat the Bobcats as far as if you're a Grizzly fan, the better. Uh, it's, it's just very intense. Montana is a lightly populated state, and uh, somebody is always on one side or the other when that game comes around. It's funny because when I was driving in to do the show, I passed this guy on the road coming from Stevensville, and he's got a license plate that says, hate cats. And I thought, well, why would somebody? Oh, it's a grizzly bobcat <laughs> deal. And I thought that was pretty, that was pretty good. But so yeah. what, what was your first memory of doing a grizz game? Can you recall what you thought in your mind? You, I know you'd always wanted to be the voice of the grizz. What was that first ball game like for you? I was terrified, frankly. Uh, I was very nervous. I was relatively young at the time. Um, and, uh, you know, it meant so much to me to get the opportunity to do it. I didn't want to mess it up. 
I'm sure that first game was a little bit of a stumble, fumble, bumble type thing in terms of the presentation. But once I got into it, Kevin, uh, I felt very comfortable and uh, very blessed to, to have the opportunity. There's a young person out here listening to this broadcast. What would be one piece of advice you could give them if they want to get into a career in play-by-play broadcasting? Well, um, I think they should try and get some kind of formal training. I never had that. I did. I went to journalism school. I took one course in radio TV. Um, but uh, I think it would help to have some feel for the broadcast business in general, uh, especially the way things are now, Kevin, that it's a lot more complicated. You have a lot more statistics available. Um, I just think some training would be good, but I think the main thing to have for it is the passion. You have to really want to do it because it's like being paid for a hobby to me. I mean, I, I just had so much fun doing it. Um, it was very gratifying. The one thing I do tell people when I, when I have an opportunity to teach about sports casting is learn how to pronounce the names. That's the most important thing to me to start with. FCS Nation, that's been Mr. Bill Schwanke, the namesake of the Bill Schwanke Award, which will be given out by this program and a select group of broadcasters around the country to the FCS Play-By-Play Guy of the Year, one week before the national championship game every year. Thanks for being here, Bill. Really appreciate everything you've done for me personally, and I know that Grizzly fans appreciate you too. All right. Thanks, Kevin. This is Flash from Bikers Against Bullies USA. We are a not-for-profit group created by bikers, but not limited to bikers. We are committed to creating awareness and educating both kids and adults on the benefits of living in a society of respect for each other combined with self-empowerment. Bikers Against Bullies USA was started in Missoula, Montana. The very real fact is that kids are kids, and they're dying by their own hands each week due to the insidious nature of the psychological and emotional trauma created by today's bullying attempts. Our personal philosophy is that one dead child is one too many. I personally ask you to stand up, support us, and by doing so, you're making a difference. We cannot change things without you, your support, and I thank you in advance. You can get a hold of us at BikersAgainstBulliesUSA.com or Facebook, Bikers Against Bullies USA. Wearing braces on your teeth can be challenging. Flossing and brushing is frustrating at best. The patented Platypus Flosser and Toothbrush for people that wear braces is the easiest and most effective oral hygiene device on the planet. Unlike traditional methods that are, well, just awful, your kids will actually use the Platypus products because they are fast and easy to use. If your child wears braces, protect your investment in their teeth with the Platypus Flosser and Toothbrush, available at your nearest Albertsons and Safeway store in the oral care aisle. Platypusco.com. Kevin Marshall here for the law offices of John Velk. At the Velk Law Firm, they know that when you suffer an injury, everything can change. With more than 29 years of experience fighting for his clients, John Velk can help you focus on recovering rather than being overwhelmed and worried about your court case. If you're injured in an accident, call John Velk at the law offices of John Velk at 543-0909 or log on to the website at velklaw.com. That's the law offices of John Velk, the official law offices of FCS Nation. 
Blaine McElmurray specializes in bringing your dream home to reality. Blaine and his team have been building beautiful custom single-family and multifamily homes since his return from the NFL in 2003. And Blaine hires only the best subcontractors to work on your home. Blaine has competed in the Parade of Homes only two times, but in those two times, he's won six of the eight awards. Give him a call. If you can dream it, he can build it. To see some of his work or for contact information, go to McElmurrayHomes.net. That's M-C-E-L-M-U-R-R-Y Homes.net. Let McElmurray Homes exceed your expectations. If you're ever in Traverse City, Michigan, stop into Brick Wheels, one of the best bicycle stores in America. You can enjoy that beautiful part of these United States on a bicycle. Road bikes, mountain bikes, fat bikes, even electric assist. And if you go into Brick Wheels and you say, go Grizz, go Bison, go Cadets, or whatever your FCS team name is, you'll get 20% off your purchase. So if you're in Traverse City, Michigan, go into Brick Wheels, talk some FCS football, get 20% off. That's Brick Wheels, Brick wheels.com break you're listening to fcs nation on the palmetta radio networks now time for me and mr chris callum to take a whirlwind tour all around fcs nation and preview the biggest games taking place this week up first moorhead state hits the road for harrisonburg virginia to take on the number two ranked james madison dukes chris jmu appears to be loaded they seem to always be loaded. Moorhead State had a decent spring going four and three. However, one of those losses was against GMU, 52 to nothing. I'd expect a similar outcome in this week. Albany is at number three, North Dakota State. It's still odd to see NDSU rank number three, but Albany will be a nice test for them. They have a good offense, an up-and-coming defense. This could be a sneaky good ball game. Well, Jeff Undercuffler is back for the Danes. Heck of a quarterback. I think he finished third in the Payton Award voting uh, two years ago. The Bison go with transfer Quincy Patterson, and yeah, I would expect them to be improved. We know the defense is going to be good. We know they know how to run the ball, but they need better quarterback play. And the offensive line is going to be very good for North Dakota State like it always is. So I expect that maybe they'll move the pocket around a little bit and try to get Patterson some easy throws off the bat, maybe get his feet wet a little bit. But he's an athlete, and we're going to be talking about him all season number seven north dakota is at idaho state chris the road has not been friendly to the north dakota fighting hawks not as friendly as the alaris center has been and the hawks only have one defensive player on the first two preseason all-conference teams this year so they've got some work to do on that side of the football but they do get tommy schuster back idaho state played everyone tough after their opener against weaver in the spring i'd expect them to continue to improve as well Number nine, Montana, is at number 20, Washington of the FBS. Even Bill Schwanke mentioned just one segment ago, the last time these two teams got together, the score was extremely lopsided. Bill didn't think it would be that way this time. But Bobby Howe's going to take the Grizz over to Washington to take on the Huskies. Montana needs to replace Marcus Knight, who they lost to injury, and Samori Torre, who they lost to transfer. But the Grizz should have enough to keep this one maybe at least respectable against a ranked University of Washington. Number 11, Montana State hits the road to Laramie to take on Wyoming. I think this is an opportunity for the Bobcats, Chris. Wyoming not 
notoriously great at football. And look, it's going to be very interesting. Montana State's head coach was just on the staff there not too long ago. Yeah, uh, Vegan's made it, making his uh, return to Laramie where he was an assistant. And let's face it, Kevin, if there's one player in FCS that can change the entire outcome of a game, it's the Bobcats' Troy Anderson. Well, they say they're going to play Anderson mostly on defense this year. He probably won't see the ball on the offense. I think that was something that maybe people are just saying, Chris, because he is so explosive when he gets the ball in his hands. But he's such a good linebacker, such a solid leader. I just think maybe one or two gadget plays a game. Maybe you don't pull that out in your FBS game unless you're really into it and you need a score to take the lead or something like that. But I expect that we'll see Troy Anderson with the ball in his hands at some point in this 2021 FCS season. Number 12, Monmouth. Is that Middle Tennessee? Chris, is this one of those ball games that you were talking about? Maybe a chance for an upset here? Monmouth plays very good football. They're strong in all three phases of the game. And Middle Tennessee, not all that great. There's an opportunity here, I think. I agree. The Blue Raiders are a mediocre FBS team at best. They should be on upset alert as the Hawks are a legitimate threat. And I think that the Hawks could make a little run in the playoffs this year. Number 13, Central Arkansas. Is that Arkansas State? These two teams played in the fall of 2020, and it was all Arkansas State. Central Arkansas has a nice offense, two really good receivers. Braylon Edwards is the quarterback. He's back. Central Arkansas, look, I know this would be a big game for them to win in-state FBS opponent. I imagine they'll throw everything they can at the Red Wolves. Yeah, and they really did last year. They lost 50-27, to 27, but they were able to move the ball. They made some mistakes that, that probably would have had the game a little closer if they hadn't. The Bears definitely have the offense to keep it close, but can they play enough defense? Number 15, Villanova is at Lehigh. Normally, we'd expect to see Lehigh go to Villanova to open the season, right? But Nova's going to hit the road. I expect Lehigh to be better. Villanova loaded on the offensive side of the ball. The only question is, can their defense step up and play to the level they're going to need to be to win the CAA? Lehigh had a pretty good little run a few years back, but it's been five seasons now since the Mountain Hawks had a winning season and and made the playoffs. Justin Covington and Daniel Smith are both back for Nova, and they should have an easy time scoring in this one at least. Well, here's hoping that Covington can have an injury-free campaign. He is really a dynamic running back. He's a nice receiver out of the backfield, too. A solid blocker, a complete football player. Just been bit by that injury bug a little bit in his career. Hope he has an opportunity in this extra year to really show what he can do. I think he's a Sunday football-type talent. If he can just stay healthy, he can prove it to everybody. Number 16, Northern Iowa is at Iowa State of the FBS. I remember the last time these two teams got together, it was a god-awful hot day there, and Northern Iowa took them to three overtimes before falling. Iowa State is a consistently solid FBS program, but the Panthers, like you mentioned in the first segment, tend to play them tough regardless. The question mark is always for you and I is going to be offense. In that last meeting, Panthers quarterback Will McIlvain was just running around in the pocket back there, making plays with his legs, throwing the ball down the field. Northern Iowa's going to need all of that plus more to have a shot here against Iowa State. I expect this one will be a close ball game, Chris. Can the Panthers' defense hold up? I believe that they'll be solid on that side of the ball again, but like you mentioned, They're going to go as far this year as that offense can take them. And I really like Will McIlvain, his ability to extend the play, keep his eyes down the field, make a big play or two. I think Northern Iowa is going to be right in there with this one until the end. 
number 17, southeastern Louisiana, is at North Alabama in a battle of the Lions. This one was moved from the state of Louisiana to Florence, Alabama because of the effects of Hurricane Ida. Southeast Louisiana returns a ton on offense, including Cole Kelly. The, the Lions were competitive in 2019 in all but three games. They have athletes and at least look like they belonged on the same field when I watched them play in Missoula a couple of years ago. should be interesting. North Alabama is going to get that signature win as an FCS program. It's coming. They are going to be a factor for a long time in this subdivision. They've already played some of the toughest foes in this entire subdivision, and they just need that one signature win. And I believe that if they can get that, they'll roll off a whole bunch more. Could be this week against southeastern Louisiana. Howard is at number 22, Richmond. Richmond, big chip on their shoulder, Chris, after feeling like they were snubbed in the playoffs. I think the Spiders have something to prove, and it starts this week. This is already Russ Houston's fifth season at Richmond. It seemed like he just signed up with them a couple of years ago. The current team is built around a stingy defense. If the offense can get going, they can contend for the CAA title. Howard will make a good warm-up game for him. Number 23, Nichols, is at Memphis of the FBS. Maybe another one of those opportunities that we talked about here. Memphis plays a lot of close ball games. They do, but they're a pretty darn good team. The Tigers are coming off of two outstanding years, especially 2019 when they finished 12-2 and with a visit to the Cotton Bowl. Nichols underperformed last spring, especially on defense, but they have the weapons to at least keep it interesting for a half. Number 24, North Carolina A&T hits the road to Greenville to take on the Furman Paladins matchup of two really excellent running backs in this one. Yeah, and I really want to see how A&T does away from the MEAC. They start with a winnable game here against a perpetually almost over-the-hump Furman who never quite reaches their fullest potential. And it's interesting, right? You would normally expect to see North Carolina A&T ranked a little higher in the poll and Furman to be ranked. But like you said, Furman has done very little with a whole lot here recently. And that, look, they signed Clay Hendricks to a contract extension. made a lot of people scratch their heads. But maybe they're seeing something in that program that the results just aren't there on the field yet. Lafayette will go to Colorado Springs to take on the Air Force Academy of the FBS. Air Force is replacing eight starters, including their entire offensive line. However, for the academies, that's not entirely unusual. They will run the ball, and they should have success against an undersized Lafayette. In a matchup of SoCon and CAA, the Walford Terriers will go to Elon. I know a lot of people in SoCon world and, and FCS world, too, were kind of surprised to see Walford picked as low as they were in the SoCon preseason poll, 7th or 8th, depending upon whether you believe the coaches or the media. It's been a long time since Walford's been picked that low. I don't expect him to finish there. This will be a good matchup between two good teams from good conferences. Well, the Terriers discovered the forward pass just last season. Will they abandon it that quickly and go back to what they're good at? Davis Cheek is back for Elon, and they should be finally healthy for once advantage goes to the caa team i mean elon was ranked in the preseason poll for the spring freak injury to davis cheek and their whole thing fell apart he's back like you mentioned i expect elon to be much improved william and mary is at virginia the Cavs have been pretty good of late for william and mary this is mike london's third season at the helm in williamsburg they need to make be making strides this season a decent showing against virginia would be a good start east tennessee state goes to Nashville to take on Vanderbilt. ETSU has announced that Tyler Riddell is going to be their quarterback again. He was a fellow who started last season, but he's back. He's a transfer. And look, this is an opportunity here. East Tennessee State 
is loaded. Quay Holmes, a running back. They just need a little bit of defense. Maybe have something go their way against Vandy, and they can shock them. Well, yeah, the Commodores were winless last season, and they're they're not a very good program. The Bucks are the first team out into last spring's playoffs, and they return quite a bit of talent. This game could be closer than anticipated. And in some bonus coverage here, Davidson is at VMI. Mr. Callum, they say styles make fights. Well, these two teams have one thing in common. They both get in the shotgun most of the time, but Davidson runs a triple option out of it, and VMI has a really potent passing attack. I like these matchups when you have two teams that are so contrasting in styles. Styles make for good fights. Like I said, this one should be interesting. And for the Virginia Military Institute, when you haven't done something since 1977, people have a tendency to maybe think it could have been kind of fluky, especially in a spring-type season. I don't believe there was anything fluky about VMI winning the SOCON last spring. I think if we would have played in the fall, they might have done that too. Would have liked to have seen them versus Chattanooga before Chattanooga gave up on the season. But they need to back it up with the season. Need to back it up, come out, play their game. Yes, VMI does throw the ball a lot, but they like to run that ball too. It'll be very interesting to see Davidson and VMI from Lexington. Yeah, and neither team is going to be out of the game at really at any point. I mean, they both have the ability to to put up huge offensive numbers, both from a yardage standpoint and a scoring standpoint. The difference, I think, here is VMI has a pretty solid defense, and that didn't get talked about enough last spring. Eastern Kentucky is at Western Carolina. This is sort of a manufacturing, a new rivalry they're trying to do here between the Colonels and the Catamounts. Not a lot of distance separates them. It's a good idea. Eastern Kentucky had a pretty successful 2020. Western Carolina fired head coach Mark Spear after about nine or ten years there as the head man in Cullowee. And Kerwin Bell comes in. There's a lot of optimism surrounding Western Carolina. And they have everything it takes to be a good program. They just have never found something to bring it all together. Let's see if Kerwin Bell can do that for them. Eastern Kentucky at Western Carolina. Yeah, and I hope with the realignment, you know, the, the WAC and the Atlantic Sun, Eastern Kentucky is moving to the Atlantic Sun. I think you, you have a good potential to see some of these type of matchups and these regional rivalries um, if they haven't already formed form and then, you know, do nothing but get better. So this should be an interesting game. Eastern Kentucky probably overachieved a little bit, to be honest with you, and, and hopefully they can continue down that path. South Carolina State hits the road to take on Alabama A&M. Chris, when you talk about the Alabama A&M football team, it's the quarterback. He is an NFL prospect, and look, if he can be a little bit more accurate, Alabama A&M is going to have a great year. South Carolina State, always solid under Buddy Pugh. Miak versus Swack matchup, you have to like it. Yeah, it's going to be the Akil Glass show, but South Carolina State, not only are they successful, they play pretty good brand of defense too, so it's kind of a strength-on-strength strength type of matchup. The MEAC has gotten the better of these matchups lately, and in the press conference, Buddy Pugh wanted to make sure that that was said a couple of times. No love loss between these two leagues should be a great ball game between Alabama A&M and the South Carolina State Bulldogs. Mr. Kevin Kelly, head coach of the Presbyterian College Blue Hose, the coach who never punts, is coming up next. We'll be right back. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. The preview segment is brought to you by Big Deck Barbecue Company, 
proudly blended and bottled in Fargo, North Dakota. Big Deck Barbecue Company is committed to delivering high-quality, unique sauces made with the best products possible. If you're looking for something delicious to spice up a weeknight meal with your family or you want to take your tailgate to the next level, you need to get to BigDeckBBQ.com. I own all their sauces, all their rubs, their fine products, and their FCS people. Support Big Deck Barbecue Company, BigDeckBBQ.com. They support FCS Nation and FCS football. Tory Pines Pub in Las Vegas, Nevada. Whether you're looking for a cold drink on a hot day or a place to try out that hot hand when you're feeling lucky, Tory Pines Pub has what you're looking for. Tory Pines Pub caters to sports fans and hosts Montana Grizzlies games every football season. Not only are you going to find the Grizz on TV, but if you ask them, they'll put on whatever FCS game you want. So when you're in Las Vegas, make your way to the corner of Tory Pines and Lake Mead Boulevard to the Tory Pines Pub and tell them FCS Nation sent you. ToryPinesPub.com. I'm DJ Coulter from Fargo, North Dakota. Welcome to American Family Insurance. I understand that choosing the proper insurance protection can be overwhelming. That's why it's so important to find someone you can rely on for trusted advice. As your American Family Insurance agent, I'll work hard to earn your trust, and I look forward to helping you find the right insurance solutions for years to come. Area code 701-235-6641. Or better than that, drop by and see DJ at American Family Insurance at 4215 31st Avenue South, Suite B in Fargo, North Dakota. DJCoulter.com. Are ye played by foreclosure? Well, here at Jim Lott and Matey, we can stop your foreclosure now. We're a mortgage rescue company, and for the small fee of everything you hold dear, we will negotiate with your lender on your behalf. Call Jim Lott and Matey at 1-800-YAR-YAR. That's 1-800-YAR-YAR-YAR. If you're facing foreclosure, talk to the right people. Speak with HUD-approved housing counselors free of charge at 888-995-HOPE. Brought to you by NeighborWorks America and the Ad Council. Rhino Roofing is a family-owned company working in both the Missoula and Bitterroot Valleys. Rhino Roofing has more than 25 years of experience and will provide you with the toughest roof, Rhino Tough. Backed by Malarkey Shingles with a 120-mile-per-hour wind warranty and they're hail-resistant. With a Rhino Tough roof and Malarkey Shingles, you may even be eligible for a discount on your homeowner's insurance. Call Rhino Roofing today at 406-552-3089 or log on to rhinoroofingmt.com. That's my husband, Mr. Fix-It. I got it! I ain't got it! I told him we needed replacement windows for our house. I am man! I told him rather than go to a do-it-yourself store, we should contact Renewal by Anderson because they only do windows. They're experts. No subcontractors. Hey, honey, did you know our electricity runs through all these little metal pipes? Yow! You okay? Yeah! Renewal by Anderson, hassle-free, energy-efficient, low-maintenance windows with a professional, perfect fit. A hole needs to be just a little larger. Keeping your home warm in the winter, cool in the summer with their Fibrex windows. I had no idea we had this much insulation in our walls. Honey? Yeah? I think it's time we call Renewal by Anderson. Good call, Mr. Fixit. For a perfect fit, call 406-259-3944. Renewal by Anderson of Montana. 406-259-3944. We're back. 
listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Now joined by Mr. Kevin Kelly, head coach for the Presbyterian College Blue Hose. Coach Kelly was the 2016 USA Today National High School Coach of the Year, nine state champions and over 200 wins in 18 seasons at Pulaski Academy in Little Rock, Arkansas. Coach Kelly, Clinton, South Carolina is a little different than Little Rock, isn't it? It's a little smaller than I'm used to, but... Uh, that's just a coaching world. I coached in Little Rock and Dallas. But growing up, I grew in, grew up in a town of 1,400 people. So Clinton's a lot bigger than that. So I guess it depends on what time period you're looking at. Well, Coach, your philosophy is a little different. You're known as the coach who never punts. Well, I try not to put labels on people. So why don't you tell me why you don't like to punt and why you like to go for the onside kick at each opportunity? Well, I think that nobody likes to punt, probably. Um, so, so that's part of it. But, you know, the bigger part is when I walked into a school in a situation uh, where I became the head coach in high school, I was looking for ways to get better and have a better chance to win with guys that, you know, where the school had never, never won. And I ran across some studies that started talking about numbers kind of pre money ball in 2003 and pre analytics. And I'm kind of a math guy. So I put things together and decided that, you know, field position wasn't as important as everybody thought and, and so on. So I started experimenting. Well, then as time went on, I was having success and also analytics came out. And then I, then I really realized that, that uh, there were some advantages to not punting when, when everybody else was. And there were some advantages to onside kicking, gaining possession of the ball because field position, again, wasn't as important as everybody thought it was. So put all those things together and – you know, started doing it, had a lot of success at a school that had not had success, and, you know, and decided to carry that with me. FCS Nation, we're joined by Mr. Kevin Kelly, head coach for the Presbyterian College Blue Hose. Coach, PC, as we call it in South Carolina, has moved out of the Big South into the Pioneer League. Is that a perfect place for the type of school PC is? You know, maybe so. And, and I, you know, I haven't been here long to say anything's perfect, but with what they needed to do and what they wanted to do, uh, it turns out that it looks like it's a good match. You found a place where you're going to go at the, the, whole, the whole conference went non-scholarship. So at least they're even playing field there, so to speak. And then when you get outside conference and, and, and our non-conference games, and then if you make the postseason, you know, it's a little tougher uh, because now you're playing kids that could – you're playing teams that could give scholarships to kids. So they probably are bigger and faster and stronger and all those things. But in the end – um, it seems like a pretty good fit, and, you know, the geography of it's tough. You know, I mean, when you talk San Diego, Minnesota, New York, and Florida, you're covering almost the four corners of the United States. So that part's tough, but in the end, it's good for the kids to get to travel, and they'll get to say they went to some different places and traveled all over where they were in college playing football. So there's definitely some good things to it, too, as well. And, Coach Kelly, there's some really good teams in the Pioneer League. I mean, look at what San Diego's done in the playoffs. They've gone to Big Sky Country and won games in the playoffs. Been to the Fargo Dome, competed very well against North Dakota State, and Davidson showed up pretty well in the playoffs last season, too. Yeah, San Diego and Davidson. Davidson won, I think, the Spring League. Before that, I think San Diego had won the previous seven years in a row. And, you know, out there, there's a lot of JUCOs in, in California, so they're recruiting – base is, is pretty cool because it's a division one school so they're they're competing with JUCOs. now you come here davidson's having to recruit and but they run a unique offense as far as you know like army the military schools that nobody really wants to play them because you see it once a year that gets them a little bit of advantage and and they've capitalized on that 
And then you look, and, and I've looked over the past few years, you know, finishing second, third, fourth, and fifth, somebody always rises up and, and, and gets that spot that you wouldn't think. So, uh, you know, that changes a lot. So basically going into any year, almost anybody can beat anybody. It's not always true anybody can beat anybody on a given Sunday. But in this conference, it really might be. You mentioned non-scholarship football. How do you get kids in? How do you get an athlete to Presbyterian to play football? What you do is a couple things, really. One, the college, our college is a really good college academically, and they've got a really good high placement rate, and get, and they've got a few fields of study that other people don't have. You know, for instance, if you, our pharmacy school, things like that, you can get kids in here that – if that's what they're wanting to do, there's not a place locally around here that they can go and play. Two, if a kid's looking between a, a really high-end Division two kid and you give them a chance to play Division one ball with the academic aid and still get the Pell Grant money and stuff like that in South Carolina with their lottery scholarships, there's still a lot of money out there to be put towards their college education here. And they'll have a, they'll have some investment on their own, which they wouldn't have at a scholarship school. But it might be worth it for the quality of the education and to be at a Division One school. And the other thing is, is I'm looking for kids that are passed over that I think are D1 talent, but they weren't quite good enough. Before, I mean, not good enough, but big enough or, or, or fast enough to be recognized by some D1 schools, some higher-level FCS schools even and give them a chance to still play Division One football without falling through the cracks. So we look for those kind of guys, too. And for whatever reason it is, if you say FCS or Division Two, a lot of guys do want to play that Division One style of football and give it a, give it a chance and see if they're, if they're good enough to do that. And, and I think we provide a place where that can happen. And you also have a lot of FCS schools in the Palmetto State. So, yes, you might have to travel a lot for your conference games, but for non-conference games, I mean, you got the Citadel in Charleston, South Carolina State in Orangeburg, Furman, Walford, Charleston Southern. You're going to have an opportunity there to really schedule a lot of teams in the Palmetto State if you want to. Yeah, and, you know, I don't know a whole lot about that, but I, I'm very familiar with the schools that you mentioned, and I think those are – you know, they were in a conference with a lot of those schools previously and still are in some sports. And, and you're right. That's a, that's an opportunity for us to schedule close, get big crowds, be able to play in front of your home fans more or, you know, your high school communities, the people that are more familiar with you. And all those things, I think, can be manipulated into recruiting tools and recruiting uh, just asks anyway. FCS Nation, that's been Mr. Kevin Kelly, head football coach of the Presbyterian College Blue Host. Thanks for making the time, Coach. Really interested in seeing what PC does this year. I mean, you're going out there, and you've got your thing, and you're sticking with it, and I admire you for that. Best of luck, Coach. Well, I appreciate it, and looking forward to it. And I'd say anybody in the area, or if you just happen to be in the Greenville area uh, coming in, come by and watch a football game on Saturday. And the only thing I can promise you is it'll be a little different than what you have seen. The interview with the Coach segment is brought to you by Harold Group Security Solutions. The Harold Group is a comprehensive security solutions company headquartered in Northeast Tennessee and was established to provide dynamic security solutions to the modern security risks people and facilities face. The security of you and your company's assets are Harold Group's number one priority. Look them up on the web at heraldgroup.com. That's H-A-R-R-E-L-L-G-R-P.com. Thank you for the Harold Group for sponsoring the interview with the coach segment. We'll be right back. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. And 
we're back. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Networks. Now time for my favorite segment, which is where Chris Callum proves each week he knows more than I do, which isn't hard, but this is the pick segment. Let's get right to it. Moorhead State is at number two, James Madison. Give me the Dukes all day long. James Madison is loaded. Cole Johnson returns as the QB, and that running back room for the Dukes is the best in the country. Defense is deep, and they are nasty. The Dukes will roll in this one, 42-10. to 10. Number seven, North Dakota is at Idaho State. North Dakota does not play particularly well on the road. The Bengals are improved. I'm going to go with the upset here. Give me Idaho State to win 34-28. I disagree on the pick, but everything else you said is accurate. This is a sneaky good game. Idaho State is tough at home, and the Fighting Hawks are not good on the road, or at least it's been that way in the past. Beautiful thing about a new season is you have an opportunity to rewrite those tired old narratives. I believe this one's going to be close, but I believe North Dakota has their stuff in a pile, regardless of where the game is. Take UND over Idaho State, 27-24. to Number nine, Montana is at number 20, Washington of the FBS. Montana's going to have a tough time keeping up with the Huskies, so give me to the UW to win this game handily by at least a couple of scores. Well, you reside in the state of Washington. I think you kind of have to pick them to win in that ball game. I get it. The Grizz are going to be really good this year, y'all, but Washington may be the best they've been in recent memory. The Grizz will hang with them for a while, but they'll fall to the Huskies, 42-20. to 20. Number 11, Montana State. Is that Wyoming? You know, at first I was thinking Montana State's going to have a down year, but I'm looking closer to who they have coming back, and I think they may be better than as advertised. I still think Wyoming has a little bit too much, so give me the Cowboys to win in Laramie. Interesting matchup here. We discussed it in the previous segments. But Bobcat head coach Brent Vigian came from Wyoming. So he's very familiar with the Cowboys, but they're also very familiar with him. And our old friend Craig Bowl, the Wyoming coach, has done a pretty good job in Laramie. He will not allow Wyoming to take the Bobcats lightly. Take the Cowboys over Montana State, 31-20. to Number 12, Monmouth is at Middle Tennessee. Give me the Hawks in the upset. They're going to win this game 30-21. to 21. I agree. My, one of my upset picks of the week. Monmouth is a good football team. Middle Tennessee is coming off a three-win campaign in 2020. And Monmouth, they had eventual national champion Sam Houston on the ropes in the playoffs. I smell an upset here just like Mr. Callum. Take Monmouth over Middle Tennessee 27-24. to 24. Number 13, Central Arkansas is at Arkansas State. Central Arkansas struggled a little bit over the course of falling. If they had better defense, I'd like them more. So give me Arkansas State to win. Central Arkansas has the offensive firepower to put up a lot of points. And Arkansas State has a defense that gave up a lot of points in 2020. Normally, you'd like that matchup, right? Like Mr. Callum said, Central Arkansas made mistakes against Arkansas State last fall. Can't afford to do that against an 85 scholarship team. So I'm going to take Arkansas State over Central Arkansas, 38-31. Number 15, Villa. Nova is at Lehigh. Nova's better on both sides of the ball, but especially on offense. I think they win this one handily. Give me the Wildcats 45 to 7. Too much Daniel Smith through the air, and Villanova has a stable of running backs led by Covington and a defense to go along with that potent offense. Lehigh will be much improved in the Patriot League, but Villanova wins this one, although I do think it'll be closer than Chris does. Take Villanova 28 13. Number 16, Northern Iowa is at Iowa State of the FBS. Until Northern Iowa can prove that they can compete offensively, I've got to go with the Cyclones. Give me Iowa State to win this game 29-10. to 10. 
kudos to Iowa State for continuing to schedule the Panthers, right? I mean, we all remember when Northern Iowa QB Will McIlvain was running around back there just making plays in a triple overtime loss to the Cyclones as a true freshman. Well, he's much more polished in his game now, and this one will be very close, but take the Cyclones 28-24. to Number 17, southeastern Louisiana, is at North Alabama. Well, despite the disruptions from the hurricane, I like the southeastern Louisiana Lions to win this game on the road. As we mentioned a couple times, the game's been moved to Florence, Alabama due to Hurricane Ida. A lot of adversity for southeastern Louisiana to deal with this week. And who wins the Battle of the Lions? The team with the most pride. Y'all see what I did there? Give me North Alabama to upset southeastern Louisiana, 34-31. to Howard is at number 22, Richmond. This is a bit of a warm-up game for Richmond. I think they win this one fairly easily. Give me the Spiders to win 34-10. to Like we mentioned, Spiders have a chip on their shoulder. They felt like they should have been in the playoffs in the spring. Howard's going to be much improved in 2021, but you won't know it seeing them this week. Richmond starts out strong, keeps their foot on the gas, and the Spiders win 35-14. to Number 23, Nichols is at Memphis of the FBS. Like we talked about earlier, Nichols struggled in the spring, and a lot of that was on the defensive side of the ball, and I think that's going to continue at least for one more week. Give me Memphis Tigers to win here. Nichols disappointed in the spring, and Memphis played a lot of close games. Five of their ball games decided by one point. I believe this one will be no exception to that, but take Memphis at home over Nichols, 31-28. Number 24, North Carolina A&T is at Furman. I like A&T to make a splash in their debut outside of the MEAC, so give me North Carolina A&T to go on the road and get the win. This is my FCS versus FCS game of the week. Aggies come in ranked number 24, and Furman is out of the poll for the first time in a while. Paladins will lean on Devin Wynn in the running game and try to shorten this thing. If you like running backs, boy, this is the game for you. John Main Martin and Devin Wynn on the same field in Greenville, South Carolina. I think it's going to come down to the quarterbacks making a play with their arm, and I think Furman's going to be able to do it. Take Furman at home, 28-21. to couple of wild card picks here for y'all. Albany travels to the Fargo Dome to take on the number three ranked North Dakota State Bison. I expect it to be a very close game, but the Bison fans will go away happy as they will beat Albany 28-14. couple of Sunday matchups from the SWAC. Florida A&M plays Jackson State. Head coaches in this one, two pretty well-known names, Mr. Willie Simmons for Florida A&M and Deion Sanders for Jackson State. I believe that Coach Willie Simmons gets the best of Coach Deion Sanders. Take the Rattlers 30-28. to Grambling and Tennessee State. Eddie George makes his coaching debut for Tennessee State. Grambling has been very down lately. I expect they'll be better, but Tennessee State will just have too much for him this week. Take Tennessee State 30-23 to over Grambling. That brings us to the end of another episode of FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Lots more affiliate stations picking us up this week in week one. Welcome to the family, y'all. We look forward to bringing you the best of the FCS all season long until Frisco, Texas, and we crown a champion. FCS Nation is produced by Mr. Justin Swallows, co-hosted by Mr. Chris Callum. The marketing director for FCS Nation is Miss Stacy Marshall. On behalf of all those good people, I'm executive producer and host Kevin Marshall, thanking you for making FCS Nation a small part of your football week. I'd like to invite you all right back here next week for another episode of FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. And like I always do, y'all, I'd like to remind you that life's a lot like football. You play by the rules and the penalties won't kill you. Until next week, so long, everybody.